seated as we walk through Psalm 66 together. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding accomplish them, through Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading for this day is from the book of Acts in the 17th chapter. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. And in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? And others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. At times of ignorance, God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. And our epistle reading is from Peter's first letter in the third chapter. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. And when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel from John's gospel in the 14th chapter. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. May be seated, and I invite our young ones up. <clears throat> Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day where you gather us into your presence around your word to receive your gifts, and pray that you move by your Spirit to remove distractions from our hearts and minds and let us rest in the love that you have shown us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. If you love me, 
You'll keep my commandments. That's a hard word for us to hear. Because these conditional statements are so misused a lot of times. At least that's more often than not our experience. I mean, if you love me, you'll do what I say. If you love me, you'll treat me a particular way. If you love me, you'll pay attention to all the things I do for you. If you love me, you won't tell me no. The hard part, these conditional statements, more often than not, we hear them used in a manipulative way. We hear them used in a way that's going to benefit the person saying them and be harmful or hurtful to the person they're said to. Maybe you've had experience with these statements in the past or even heard them as some person who more often than not would generally show you love in life might be trying to instill a little guilt. If you love me, you'll do the dishes tonight. Or if you love me, you'll take me out to dinner. It's hard to hear these words because a lot of times people are using them to try and get something they want. And I think that's probably why it's hard for us to hear these words flow from our Lord's lips because our experience with them is not always good. But see, that's hearing something from our Lord's lips and shaping it by an experience of hearing it from sinful people's lips. Unfortunately, that's our experience with them. I mean, how beautiful it would be if we heard them from our Lord's lips first, and then every time we hear them from someone else's lips, we would know that what they're saying is actually for our good and for our benefit, and they're not trying to get anything from us. Because Jesus isn't trying to get anything out of his disciples. He's not trying to get anything from his disciples. He's simply putting boundaries around what it looks like to live as his disciple. And that's actually not anything new for the way that God speaks at all. I mean, go all the way back to the garden, right? God makes all of the spaces that we know of in creation, and then he fills all of those spaces, and then he puts everything that's absolutely necessary for his creation, present in his creation, and then he brings Adam and Eve into the middle of it, and he says, all of this, It's for you. All of this is so that you will thrive, so that you will be fruitful and multiply. All of this is so that you will have life abundantly in my presence. Now, don't touch that tree. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you trust my words, if you know that what I'm saying for you is good, you'll listen to what I have to say. Did the same thing with Abraham. Did the same thing with Noah before that. Did the same thing with Moses after he brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. Brings them to Mount Sinai and his first words for Moses to relay to the people is, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God that brought you out of slavery. I am the God that brought you into my presence to bring you to a promised land. Now here's what it's going to look like for you to live as my people. If you love me. You'll keep my commandments. See, and Jesus had just done the very same thing with his disciples. He didn't start with this word of, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. No, he said, here's what it looks like for me to love. I'm going to get down in front of you and wash your feet. 
I'm going to feed you and let you know of my love for you as I put myself into this Last Supper meal and show you what this meal, this Passover meal has been pointing to for all these years, that I am here and present for you as your God, my body in the bread, my blood in the wine, for the forgiveness of your sins and your salvation. It's me present with you, and I'm going to wash your feet and make you part of me. I'm going to take care of you and show you what it looks like to love. Now, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as I have loved you. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All of this is couched in love. I wish I could say that it was an easier word to hear, but it isn't. It's a hard word where God gives a very clear direction in what we need to do. Listen to him. But see, There's a beauty to having boundaries and rules and commandments. Now, a lot of times in life, we don't want them. I mean, how often, as a kid, did you ever look out to the kid's house who didn't have all the rules, who got to stay up later, who got to go outside more, who got to have freer boundaries in things and their parents weren't calling them all the time and they weren't telling them to eat their vegetables and they got to eat as much ice cream as they wanted and they could just go after school whichever direction they want and they weren't expected to go home and do their chores and man, that looks good. And how often we would look to the lives of an orphan or someone else who got to set their own rules and be the ones running free. In fact, I bet you've probably even done that in your own way. Maybe not relationally, but at times in life we look to God and we say, God, why don't you just leave me as an orphan? I know where I'm going. I know what's best for me. I don't need to listen to your rules and commandments. I've got my own. I've got my own path. I've got my own track. I've got it all under control. It's fine for a while. I mean, we get by But if you ever had a conversation with one of those kids that didn't have any boundaries, that didn't have any rules, that really ended up not really having a connection with their parents at all, and then you start to talk to them about what it's like to be at home, and it's hard. Because when the parents came home, it may not be very good. But how beautiful it is to be in a home where a mother or father come home and there's rejoicing. As many boundaries as they may be, you know that when there's times when you've been left alone, it gets, well, just that, lonely. It's lonely out in the streets. It's lonely on our own. How beautiful it is to have a father that loves us, to know the experience of that father's love shown to us through our mothers and through our fathers. But to be quite honest, dads have a lot of fun with their kids. We'll set some rules and boundaries. But a lot of times that love is there from the very beginning, of course. But the fun kind of kicks in a little bit later when they're walking, when they're throwing, when they're moving, when we can get a little more physical. But the love of a mom, that nurturing, caring heart, that desire to give of everything of themselves so that the child would benefit Not just in financial means or protection, but in giving of everything so that they would thrive and grow. See, that's something that an orphan 
or a kid on their own, or us away from God, doesn't really get to experience. So we may desire to live as spiritual orphans from time to time, yet there's a moment when we really long to be in the presence of the Father. We really long for that nurturing love. We really long for that community that God brings together as He binds people together in His Word. And then He fills those people with His Spirit so that they would look out not for themselves and use words in a manipulative way, but use words that are there to care for one another and to love one another and to be in each other's lives for the good of the other person. See, those are the boundaries that Jesus is setting down. If you love me, You'll keep my commandments. Because we know what God's love looks like. We know that His words are there for our good. We know that His words are there to raise us up and shape us and form us for the benefit of ourselves, not just to be domineering and make things uh, structured and make sure that we don't have any fun. That's not the purpose at all. But it's actually so that you would know that you're loved and taken care of and have a freedom to go and love others. You see, where God sends His Son into the flesh and then shows them what love looks like. To serve and take care of, to die for us, and then to rise for us, and to go to the presence of the Father once again, sending of His Holy Spirit so that we would constantly be pointed back to the truth of Christ. And that Spirit working through His community to speak God's words into our ears so that we would continually be pointed back to how God has loved us and forgiven our sins through Christ alone. Promising then to bring us into the presence of the Father. But to be able to to point to him as our Father. Not just his anymore, but ours, as Jesus has claimed us as siblings and brought us into his family, no longer spiritually alone or orphans, because he said he would not leave us as orphans, but would come back to us, to gather us together, to bring us to the family table, so that as God would come back as he would come back into his creation and Jesus would be there and that second coming in glory to gather his people together around that family meal, around that family table so that you would not be alone. That in this life, you would hear his love for you in the community of the church when you were littler through moms and dads and those that stood in those places, because sometimes we don't always hear those words from our moms and dads, but we hear them from others. But God works through those people to continually point us to the love that he has for us in Christ and to not leave us as orphans, but to gather us together as family. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just what children do when their parents give them direction. But we do it not trying to gain anything from them, but just simply because we know that they love us. And God loves you. He's shown you that in Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us, that you have shown your love to us through your Son, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, and his promised coming again. And we pray that as these days tarry on, that you would work by your spirit as you promised to continually point us 
back to Christ, to know of your love for us, and the day will come when you will gather us together into your presence, that you will not leave us alone or forsake us, that your steadfast love will endure forever. In Jesus' name, amen.